Whales are whaling less and fighting more. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. It's been about two weeks since a Norfolk Southern freight train with 11 cars carrying dangerous chemicals derailed in the town of East Palestine, Ohio, about 40 miles northwest of Pittsburgh. Concerns still linger for the safety of people and wildlife. Over fears of an explosion, officials burned off the carcinogenic chemical vinyl chloride carried in the tank cars, which created a large smoke cloud that loomed over the area. Recently, shimmering chemicals appeared in creeks near Palestine, which experts said was likely vinyl chloride. State officials said that 3,500 fish across 7.5 miles of streams had been killed, and a plume of contamination had made its way to the Ohio River, from which some cities get their drinking water. However, a state EPA spokesperson said the river's large enough to dilute pollutants pretty quickly. An official with the Greater Cincinnati Water Works told CNN there were no high concentrations of chemicals downstream. In an interview with The Conversation, Andrew Welton of Purdue University said people in the area were understandably worried. They have had headaches, which can be caused by chemicals and volatile organic compounds, or VOCs. Welton said there could be possible contamination of homes, soils, and water by a number of unknown chemicals created by the fire. He said the long-term impact will depend in part on how fast and thoroughly cleanup occurs. According to USA Today, in the last 10 years there have been over 5,000 incidents of hazardous material spilling or leaking from trains, some of which were sitting in rail yards. The Colorado River Basin is in a crisis brought on by long-term drought made much worse from climate change-induced aridification. As the levels of the two large reservoirs on the river, Lakes Powell and Mead, continue to drop, it's encouraging news that per capita urban water usage in large populated areas that depend on the Colorado or its tributaries has fallen. A study led by Brian Richter of the organization Sustainable Waters shows that cities over one million in population have cut their per person usage by 18 percent from 2000 to 2020, even as those areas grew by 24 percent. The use of water in smaller cities increased 3 percent because of two factors, according to Richter. They're growing very fast while not having the financial capability to invest in conservation programs. Programs like paying homeowners to remove turf or replace old toilets are working, as are rate structures that increase the cost for a household that uses more. Last week, Lake Powell reached its lowest level since it was filled in the 1960s, despite heavy snow in much of the West in January. Experts say it would take years of moisture to restore the West's water resources. If you haven't heard of biochar, that may soon change. Known also as black carbon, biochar is made from heating biomass, like wood and crop residues, at very high temperatures without oxygen, a process called pyrolysis. The resulting charcoal-like product is being used to improve soil health and keep pollutants out of waterways, and it's also being touted as a climate solution for its ability to lock carbon in the ground from waste that if left to rot, would emit greenhouse gases. Instead, carbon that was once rice hulls, corn stover, or forest logs would be converted into biochar to filter wastewater at treatment plants, fertilize crops, 
or if lawmakers in Colorado have their way, prevent abandoned oil and gas wells from leaking climate warming gases. As the Associated Press reports, last week, state legislators gave initial approval to study plugging wells with biochar to prevent methane leaks, which orphaned wells release even after they've been shut down. Biochar is having a moment on the national stage as well. Last year, Congress introduced the Biochar Research Network Act of 2022, which, if passed, would establish 20 research stations to learn more about the material's potential to benefit farmers and the environment. And finally, male humpback whales in Australia are changing their tune when it comes to finding love. Instead of singing to attract a mate, they're playing the tough guy. The number of Australian humpbacks have rebounded dramatically since commercial whaling was banned. One population off Australia's east coast grew from fewer than 500 in the 1960s to an estimated 30,000 today. Rebecca Dunlop at the University of Queensland, who studies whales near the Great Barrier Reef, says that means there's more competition between males to court females. Singing out to them would alert rivals, so the guys have changed their strategy to quietly find a mate, and if need be, fight an interloper through ramming, charging, or even head slapping. The new behavior is a sign of a conservation success, and Dunlop isn't concerned that singing will stop, just that mating might be more confrontational in the future. Let's face it, a suitor bearing gifts of krill and mackerel might be nice, but what lady whale isn't taken in by a love song? That's it for this week in water. Support comes from Right Water Engineers, providing water resources engineering in Colorado and beyond for more than 60 years. Projects, services, and resumes are online at rightwater.com. 